Welcome to MIG's Front Page, the official podcast of JMIG, the Journal of Minimally Invasive Gynecology. We interview authors of recent publications in JMIG to keep you up to date on the latest in evidence-based practices in our field. In episode 34, hosts Kathleen Ackert and Veronica Galaviz welcome Dr. Oshri Burrell, discussing the article entitled, Addition of Lidocaine to the Distension Medium in Hysteroscopy Decreases Pain During the Procedure, a Randomized Double-Blind Placebo-Controlled Trial. I want to give a warm welcome to Dr. Oshri Burrell. So today we will discuss his recent paper in the Journal of Minimally Invasive Gynecology. Dr. Burrell, can you introduce yourself? Uh, my name is Oshri Burrell. I'm the head of gynecology at Asut Ashdod University Hospital in Israel. I specialize in uh, minimally invasive surgery, uh, laparoscopy, hysteroscopy, and uh, endometriosis. I did my training in Israel and uh, did my MIGS fellowship in uh, Australia, in uh, Melbourne, Monash Health. And I stayed on uh, in Australia, and then I came back to Israel, and we actually founded a brand new uh, hospital and a brand new gynecology department uh, with an emphasis on uh, minimally invasive surgery. Uh, we have a blooming outpatient hysteroscopy service with an emphasis on uh, office hysteroscopy without anesthesia. And uh, we do quite a lot of see and treat procedures, and this has uh, actually made this uh, research possible. What inspired the idea? Office hysteroscopy has uh, many advantages. It is a very simple procedure with uh, a quick recovery, uh, low costs. Patients can just uh, come in, do the procedure, and uh, go back uh, to work or home immediately. They don't need to undergo uh, special tests. They don't need to undergo anesthesia or recovery. They don't need to be fasted for the procedure. So basically, it's a, it's a very good tool to diagnose intrauterine pathologies. However, uh, many patients still uh, are very apprehensive of the pain that this uh, procedure might um, involve. So uh, this is a main reason for patients that uh, avoid the procedure. So either they, they don't want to come to the examination at all, or they want to uh, perform it under anesthesia. And so there's been many studies, many uh, ways to reduce pain that might be involved in the procedure. This actually goes to why is there a pain in hysteroscopy, and the reasons for pain in hysteroscopy can uh, be um, attributed to grasping the cervix with a tenaculum, or uh, introducing a speculum into the vagina. Passage of, of instruments through the cervix can be painful. Uh, dilating the cervix is also a painful procedure. And the distension of the uterine cavity with uh, the distension medium can also cause pain. So there's been a lot of studies regarding uh, these factors and others. And it seems like reducing the waiting time for the procedure uh, reduces anxiety. And uh, in this way, it reduces pain. Uh, also making eye contact with the patients, explaining about the procedure, uh, talking throughout the procedure, doing some sort of verbal anesthesia are helpful. Uh, music has been studied, and uh, so uh, it doesn't seem to be uh, significantly helpful. It's nice, but it's, uh, it's not uh, definitely um, effective. Opioids uh, before the procedure were studied, but they also did not seem to have a very good uh, effect. Uh, use of nitrous oxide has been studied and seems to be helpful. Uh, but the main thing that helps is use of smaller instruments and doing a vaginoscopy without uh, doing uh, using a speculum or tenaculum. 
Uh, and this is what we use, and most people, that's what we, they do in office hysteroscopy today. Uh, we have small instruments. And research has gone into looking at local anesthesia, uh, injecting uh, intracervical or paracervical blocks, uh, or instilling some sort of lidocaine in form of a gel uh, into the uterine cavity to see uh, whether this helps. Uh, these interventions um, are added to the hysteroscopy itself. So patient needs to undergo this intervention before the hysteroscopy, do another gynecological examination, let the gel sit in, in the uterus. And we actually asked, because we are already inserting the distension medium into the uterus, why not just add a bit of lidocaine into that and see whether this helps. Now, this uh, we were not the first to think of that idea because uh, in 2004, there was a similar study that was performed and they did not see any benefit in lidocaine uh, installed into the, uterus, into the uterus while doing the hysteroscopy. Uh, however, in 2004, in that study, they used a speculum, a tenaculum, they dilated the cervix all prior to uh, using the lidocaine. And these are very painful procedures on their own. Uh, we did not expect uh, intrauterine lidocaine to relieve uh, pain uh, from these procedures. So we wanted to see whether doing a vaginoscopy like we do today, the installation of lidocaine will help to reduce pain. And that's, uh, that's what we did. So what was the objective of your study? We wanted to check whether uh, lidocaine uh, inserted into the um, uh, distension medium actually can reduce the pain uh, during the diagnostic hysteroscopy. And we also checked for uh, other outcomes such as uh, success in the procedure, patient satisfaction rates. Uh, we looked at complications and uh, we also tried to analyze other factors that uh, affect the procedure itself. What was the design of your study? So this was a, a double-blind, placebo-controlled, randomized trial. This is the, the best way um, to, to assess an intervention. And we actually asked the uh, Asuta Ashdod University uh, Hospital Pharmacy to randomize patient chart. And they prepared uh, pre-made distension media bags of um, either one liter of saline alone or one liter of saline uh, and 200 milligrams of lidocaine. These numbers were not identified by anything except for a uh, number. So the researchers that performed the hysteroscopies only saw the number of the bag and uh, they were blinded to the contents and also the patients were blinded, of course. And this way we did not uh, know uh, whether the intervention uh, was effective only uh, after the completion of the study. And once the last patient was enrolled and uh, only then the, the, the pharmacy uh, gave us the randomization chart and we could uh, see whether the... Was there a specific type of patient that you picked for the study? Mainly, we used all of the patients that came in for a hysteroscopy, for a diagnostic hysteroscopy in the outpatient clinics. We enrolled patients that were over uh, 21 years old and less than 52 years old because we wanted to, to collect mostly premenopausal patients. We, uh, uh, of course, uh, could not enroll patients with an allergy to lidocaine. And uh, also, if there was some sort of contraindication for hysteroscopy, they were excluded as well. And uh, we also excluded patients that uh, needed to undergo uh, any sort of uh, operative procedure, because this was uh, only about diagnostic hysteroscopies. 
but uh, once we uh, enrolled and included uh, the, the patients, uh, uh, we had a, a homogeneic uh, group of patients coming in with uh, different uterine pathologies. Some came in before an IVF treatment, uh, looking to see if there's any cause for infertility. Others had intrauterine pathologies such as uh, polyps or myomas or septums. And um, uh, basically others came in just because of the abnormal uterine breeding. The normal causes for uh, uh, doing a hysteroscopy. And uh, once uh, they were uh, enrolled, uh, we were able to uh, uh, start the, the research. What were your results? We actually, uh, I'll talk a little bit about the design of the study first. I mean, it was, uh, I did talk about the randomization, but uh, I will talk a little bit about what we actually did. So first of all, the reason that we chose 200 milligrams of lidocaine. This is, uh, we actually talked a little bit about that with our anesthetist. 200 milligrams of lidocaine is quite a low dose. It's only one ampule of 2% lidocaine. So 10 milliliters of, of lidocaine. It seems like a homeopathic dose. But uh, looking at uh, toxic doses of lidocaine given IV, so it's actually 4.5 milligrams per kilogram. So if you look at a 50 kilogram uh, patient, uh, the toxic dose that you give her uh, is 225 milligrams. So we wanted to be well under the toxic dose, uh, considering that most of the lidocaine will not be absorbed, although some of it will go into the peritoneal cavity through the fallopian tubes, but most of it will, uh, will not be absorbed because in diagnostic hysteroscopies, we rarely use a full liter of saline. Usually, this is a short procedure and we only use 100 to 100 milliliters. However, we did want to keep the procedure safe. So we use this amount of lidocaine. Uh, also, pain uh, using the visual analog scale, the VAS score, one being the lowest uh, pain possible and 10 being uh, the inconceivable pain. And we asked uh, uh, for the uh, pain score before the procedure and after the procedure, uh, looking at the uh, increment in pain. And this was what we assumed to be the, the uh, pain caused by the procedure itself. So if a patient came in with a pain score of two before the procedure and completed the procedure with a pain score of four, we did not only look at the at pre and post procedure pain scores, we also looked at the incremental pain. And this was what uh, we looked at as our main result. Uh, was the procedure more painful or not? So looking at the results, we actually had most of the patients were premenopausal as we planned. Uh, we had one postmenopausal patients. The baseline characteristics, the baseline demographics of both groups were similar. And looking at the increment of pain, we saw that the control group had a rise of 2.9 points in the VAS score following the procedure. And the study group had a rise of only 1.9 points. So this was statistically significant. Um, having said that, I must mention that the average VAS following the procedure was quite low in both groups. So in the intervention group, it was uh, 2.6. And in the, in the control group, it was 3.4. So hysteroscopy, diagnostic hysteroscopy itself, we know it. Now it's uh, also documented that the pain is quite mild anyway. Uh, it did not reach the level of moderate pain. So it's uh, either mild pain or mild to moderate. And uh, we also saw that patients with previous vaginal deliveries had less pain and uh, longer procedures were associated with more pain. In a multivariate analysis, lidocaine was an independent factor 
a decreased pain when removing the confounders, even in patients with previous vaginal deliveries. Looking at the success rates, so we had very high success rates in both groups. In the uh, study group, we had a 96% success rate. And in the control group, we had a 94% success rate. Uh, and we also asked patients if they were happy with the procedure. So that meant um, uh, we asked them if they were satisfied with the procedure and if they gave us a score of eight um, or more in a scale of one to 10, uh, we uh, concluded they were very happy with the procedure. So we had a 98% uh, satisfaction rate uh, in the study group and 92% uh, in the control group. So they were both uh, both groups were very uh, happy with the procedure. So basically, we did find that uh, lidocaine decreases pain that is caused during the procedure, although in both groups, the pain scores were quite low. But even a small decrease is a decrease, and this is what we're looking for. So now that you have these wonderful results, how has this affected your practice? Are you doing this routinely? This, this has affected our practice. We use this study in, in several ways. First of all, a lot of patients come in for a hysteroscopy and they ask us a few questions. Now we can tell them exactly what are the answers. They ask us whether this is a long procedure or a short one. So we can now tell them exactly that uh, we measured it <laughs> and the procedure uh, lasts on average about three minutes. We can also tell them, uh, they ask us if it's a painful procedure. So we can say that the average pain without any intervention is around of 3 so it's uh, mild pain. We also tend to offer the addition of lidocaine to all of the patients who are either nulliparous or did not have a previous vaginal delivery or did not have a previous hysteroscopy. But if a patient is uh, multiparous and she had a hysteroscopy before and she's uh, not anxious at all, uh, we uh, usually um, do the procedure without any addition of lidocaine unless she asks for it. And we do have patients that had undergone the research and still they don't know if they were in the study group and or, or in the control group because we don't know uh, whether they had that specific intervention or not. But they come in again and say, oh, we want the, the lidocaine <laughs> because they're sure that the lidocaine did the trick. So we do give them uh, lidocaine in this case. Now we must mention that this is a very easy intervention we don't need to do any specific uh, preparation for that. We just ask the nurse to put in some lidocaine in the fluid. It's a uh, very low cost. In, in our department, an ampule of lidocaine only costs uh, 43 cents. So it does not add a lot uh, to the procedure. And uh, unless the patient is uh, allergic, uh, we, we tend to use it uh, in these cases. And what are your future directions following this project? So we just completed our uh, research about uh, operative hysteroscopies. I'll tell you a little bit about our results. It has not been published yet. Uh, we basically did the same study, but with operative hysteroscopies. And uh, uh, we do most of our operative hysteroscopies using the Truclear Elite 6mm device, uh, which is a bit large uh, when you're doing it in, in, uh, in the clinic. Uh, so most of the pain in these procedures actually result from inserting the trochlear device into the cervix. We used a different device for the uh, diagnostic hysteroscopies. We used a Stortz uh, 2.9 millimeter device. Uh, looking at, at, at the results of adding lidocaine in operative hysteroscopies, 
uh, we saw that actually it does reduce the pain that is caused by the procedure itself. So patients uh, undergoing, for instance, a polypectomy have less pain during the polypectomy, but they still experience pain while passing through the cervix. Now, interesting, and this is a, a nice way to show that the mechanism does work, uh, we looked at pain following the procedure in this new study in two points. One is immediately after the procedure, and one is 15 minutes after the procedure. And we actually saw that the patients who got lidocaine in the intervention group had more pain uh, after 15 minutes. So it was not a lot of pain. It was uh, a VAS score of 1 versus a VAS score of 0. But uh, the explanation we found for this phenomena is actually that the lidocaine um, dissipated from the body. And so patients who under, underwent the procedure without any analgesia or, or anesthesia um, felt some pain. And after, the, after that, they uh, felt uh, much more uh, uh, relaxed and said, okay, now, now the pain is gone, our vascular is zero. However, patients who used lidocaine had less pain during the procedure. And after the lidocaine was gone, they felt a little bit more pain. So it seems that it does have an effect. And this, uh, we'll need to finish uh, writing the paper and we'll uh, publish it soon. We'll invite you back on the podcast for that one too. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about your paper with us today, Dr. Burrell. It was a pleasure having you. Um, and this has been another episode of Make's Front Page. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Make's Front Page, brought to you by our team, Courtney Fox, Kathleen Ackert, and Veronica Galaviz. Produced by Daniel Nassar.